This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and uh, I'm here again with the 3D Pod with, as always, Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Maxwell? I'm good, thanks. Who do we have today? Oh, uh, well, today we have got Edward Munch de Hazer. Uh, he's, a co- uh, he's a co-founder of Aerocent, and Aerocent is a company that's actually really interesting because they've looked at uh, powder bed fusion. Uh, or laser powder bed fusion, and they've come up with a different kind of roller. So laser powder bed fusion applies a uh, new layer of powder to a bed and then selectively sinters it. <clears throat> so it sticks together and other powder stays loose. And usually what you have is a big block of powder uh, and then you fish out your models. If you're doing it in polymer and you have a big block of metal powder with uh, well, with parts plus support material uh, on it uh, glued to together or glued uh, sintered together um <laughs> and sorry glued now there's no glue sorry <laughs> that was very confusing um but anyway and that's what you do if, if you do it in metal and usually these uh you know you just apply one layer of powder of the same material what aerosynth has done is come up with a really innovative drum based roller which allows them to not only use one different material but selectively deposit up to three different materials in one build so, you know, you, you can get different material qualities, you can combine dissimilar kinds of metals, you can get a bimetallic kind of structures, you can get kind of gradient parts. So it's a really unique way of, of doing it. And they've also got a kind of unique market entry thing by kind of basically working on their technology in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very collaborative and open way with a dumb, bunch of different partners who are then going to impl- uh, apply it to their machines. So it's very different. Uh, so, so we thought it was very, very interesting to, to, to talk to them. So yeah, Edward, uh, thank you and welcome to the 3D pod thanks thanks for having me edward just like first off i did a little bit of a kind of a job of, of uh, trying to explain how your technology works but you will be able to do that much better so how does it work exactly so, so i mean we call it uh, selective powder deposition technology um it's basically um, a gravity-based deposition process of powder pixels um it's a little bit comparable to how a 2d printer works uh printing you know with uh, droplets of ink well, our uh, recoder does the same, but with uh, pixels of uh, powder or voxels of powder, if you like. And so currently we do that. We do it uh, with two powders simultaneously, but in, you know, in the future, we could scale that up to three, four, five materials uh, simultaneously. So the result is really a multi, multi-powder layer um, that is then ready for uh, melting with a laser or for biojetting or any other um, you know, powder-based uh, approach. Okay, and how did the company get started? And then how long have you guys been working on this? So the uh, original idea came from um, a third co-founder who was called Alexis Bedore. Um, he's an engineer and he's the founder in, uh, of a startup studio here in Belgium. Um, and it's, you know, he's the kind of guy that um, has a lot of ideas, um, very original ideas as well. And that was in 2014. Um, he he uh, saw a powder-based printer uh, work and operate, and he thought, okay, let's try to think of, about a way to make this multi-material. And so quickly, he realized that the element that would need to be redesigned or, or reinvented even is the is the recoder. And so he did some uh, initial thinking himself, um, and when he had 
the idea of a process, of a concept. Um, he hired basically uh, Matthias Hick, who's the second co-founder in the project. Um, he's the CTO uh, today in the company. Um, and that was in 2015. Um, he started working on, on, on uh, developing first demonstrators and first proof of concept. And then it's roughly one year later that I joined the company. I was, uh, I have more of a business background. So I used to work at Materialize um, in, in business development. And I knew Alexis from a long time. Uh, I know him for, since uh, elementary school, approximately. Um, so it felt kind of uh, logical that I, I would join this project with, uh, with my, my little experience in 3D printing. So I, I joined the company or you know, the project because it was not a, yet a company. And my role was initially mainly to find uh, funding uh, for this project, and uh, which I did. And then uh, in September of 2016, we basically incorporated and then, you know, the rest uh, starts, you know, from there. And then where did you kind of find funding? I mean, I think, I think uh, I remember reading you guys out of a, a bunch of like uh, grants and government funding and things like that. Where, where did you guys manage to find funding for your startup? Yeah, so indeed, uh, I think in, in Belgium, we're lucky to, um, to get a lot of governmental support for uh, innovation. Uh, so definitely we, you know, that was one of our, that was our initial funding. So uh, governmental funding, but then we also found investors in uh, early 2017 um, with uh, the Innovation Fund um, and uh, Mezinvest, which is now called uh, Noshak. Which is a which is a public fund basically. So they they bought the initial funding in the company, and then later we added one investor, uh, which is uh, Peter Berselis. So he's uh, a business angel. He was the founder of Layerwise. Um, that you know you maybe know um, they were doing uh, metal printing for uh, for medical uh, applications, and that company was acquired by 3D Systems uh, later on. So. When he left uh, 3D Systems, he in, invested in in Iowa since in 2018. Now, I was just, you you have printers on the market. You're, this is a product that's available now, right? Uh, well, it's um, it's a product which is available now um, in beta, I would say. So we are we're, we just sold our first systems together with Aconity. With, uh, mm. with whom we have a partnership. So we are selling our recoder as an option on this machine. Um, for, it's called the Aconity Mini Plus. Um, and so people acquiring this machine can acquire our recoder as an option, basically. So we're, we're, we just sold um, three systems to uh, research centers and universities that are interested to investigate the capabilities of multi-material printing. But it's not yet, um, you know, production ready product right it's, uh, it's really meant for research at this point and, and is is there a reason why you guys like didn't want to make a machine or didn't want to go through the trouble because like is that because you were like hey whatever all the rest of the machine nothing much really changes or was that because you you'd hoped AOS would have bought you by now or what was the, <laughs> what was the, what was the reason for, for for not building the whole machine yeah, I think I think since uh, 2016, every couple of months we change our mind. <laughs> so initially, we thought, okay, let's do the whole printer, and then you know, six months later, I was, oh no, it's too much work. Let's just focus on on what is innovative and differentiating, which is the recoder. And then right now, I think we we, we realize um, we have enough work with the recoder in itself, and and demonstrating the value of the recoder by printing parts and and 
identifying process parameters and this kind of thing. So we think there is more value in that. Um, and then let the others with experience in building machines um, build those machines and, and sell those machines as well. So that's our strategy right now. Um, we're, we're, we're doing this with Aconity. In future, we might uh, expand with, with other OEMs as well on laser part of it fusion, but also with binder jetting, SLS. Um, you know, our, our recorder doesn't limit, is not limited to LPBF. It's, uh, it's really meant for all, uh, there, is, there are advantages of using our recorder in all part of these uh, processes. You can lay different uh, layers down, but can you mix in the same layer or is it just like a layer of, of polymer and then a layer of metal and then a layer of polymer? Or can you do metal and polymer like in the same level, for example? I mean, or two different metals would probably be a better example there, like a copper yeah, powder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's really what is unique. So it's not multi-material only in, in Z, right? It's, it's really in all directions. So we can really print um, a multi-material powder layer. So um, we can do multi-material in all directions. We can do gradients. We can really mix uh, materials or we can keep them, keep, keep them separate side by side. So there are a lot of possibilities um, with our record. So you could like print wires into a structure? We could do that, yes. Um, definitely. No, of course, so on the, on the deposition you can do a lot, but then uh, it doesn't mean that you can melt those materials together, right? So right, that's, that's yeah, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's interesting because I think, so first off, I mean, it would be a great material. So first bimetallic, right? I think that's really exciting to a lot of people. Uh, we could be doing some bimetallic parts. So two or trimetallic even, or quad metallic. I don't know what that would be called, but, <laughs> but potentially several different materials together. I mean, what are the actual, because these things always sound really cool and everybody's like all over it, like as a research thing, but what are some of the applications that you guys are imagining for this, the bimetallic stuff, or what are the, what are the things that you're excited about? Um, so right now we 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 are focused on um, steel copper combinations. Um, that's really the first uh, pair that that we're actively working with. Um, and there are a number of applications. Um, we're working on some some real projects on on this specific combination right now. Um, one I can communicate about is, for example, molds. You know, molds is a, is a good example. Uh, you, you, we've been printing conformal cooling channels in those molds for a long time, but then there, there are some molds where um, you cannot, where you can, due to the complexity of the geometry of the mold, you cannot print uh, conformal cooling channels. But there, it's interesting to print, for example, a copper, a copper pin or a copper heat sink inside the mall to really, um, you know, dissipate the heat um, more, more, more efficiently. Uh, so a, a mold, it's not the whole mold that you print, it's, uh, it's more uh, of a mold insert, but a steel copper mold insert, that's a good, you know, application, for example. Or we have some discussions, again, always, it's always about heat in the, in the case of copper and conductivity. Um, so combustion chambers with, again, with cooling channels, or injection nozzles with uh, with copper cooling channels. Um, you know, these are just some of the applications uh, that we're investigating for customers. And, and who comes to you? Is that a researcher? Is that somebody with a problem? Or is that, uh, you know, somebody, uh, companies are curious about the future? Or what kind of things are you solving? Yeah, I mean, usually at this point, uh, we're mainly talking to, um, 
we're talking to custom to end users, uh, so industrial companies, and usually we talk with R&D people, so people that are investigating the possibilities offered by additive manufacturing, um, and 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 therefore multi-material is is a good extension of what they have been doing with single material additive manufacturing for a long time. So usually we speak with quite educated uh, on AM. Uh, educated uh, users because multi-material just another adds just another layer of complexity to your design. So you need to already really be familiar with AM, I think, before you you could consider even uh, printing multi-material. Yeah, uh, but I think I think especially the heat sink ability, like to add make everything a heat sink or add heat sinks to everything, is it seems like a very exciting thing that would have, you know, molds or stuff. But it would have a lot of applications or a lot of potential applications for a lot of different users. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So it's it's not indeed specifically one industry. We're we're right. we, we have uh, we're talking to people in um, space, uh, in automotive, uh, in uh, injection molding, of course. Um, so it's it's really it really it's really interesting for for everybody, I would say, even medical. But it doesn't mean that tomorrow we will be printing a. <laughs> An implant, so, you know, that, that's going to take a little bit more time. But uh, we can we can do initial feasibility testing, um, uh, try out different things, different designs, and, and validate that there is a use case for multi-material for the applications of the customer. Yeah. I'm curious, when you guys first were coming up with it, did you did you have an initial intent for it, like an initial, you know, this is for the auto industry or this part that I really want to make, or is it just more no. because we can? No, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really that. So that, that what you know, <laughs> when I joined the project, uh, you know, Alexis was all about multi-material, but nobody was really talking about multi-material in 2015 or 2016. Right. So it's only really now I think that there is a little bit more interest for multi-material, but not back then. So um, really, our initial use case was on polymers and was to make um, polymers printing low waste. So using a support material in SLS, which is uh, uh, different than the, than the polymer you're printing your parts in. Uh, and that, is, that, that doesn't degrade in the process so that you can fully recycle. Um, so that's another use case for our recoder, which I still believe is a, you know, there is a big opportunity there. Um, you know, I hope uh, someday we will be launching a, uh, an SLS system like this. But now, I mean, the focus is more on multi-material just because it's uh, it's more attractive to a lot of people. But uh, I think the use case of, of low waste is, 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 a, is a tremendous use case and I hope uh, we will be launching something soon. And how does that work with the low waste? How can you do that then? I mean, and uh, so you're talking about low waste specifically for polymer, right? Yeah, but even metals. So um, even in LPBF, you know, so our recoder is on off the position. So uh, we, it's not like uh, it's not like in a, with a normal blade of roller recoder where you where you have to drag a lot of material from one side of the bed to the other side of the bed and then push the the rest in an overflow um, that leads to waste uh, and and handling because you have to recycle all this material. But in our case, we it's on off the position. So we started the position at the beginning of the bed and then we we stopped at the position at the end of the bed. So there is no overflow. Um, it's just a better way of handling your material uh, with, with our recoder. 
So, and have you looked at that for like, you know, it seems like it could be really exciting for like precious metals or uh, really high end materials where waste is a big problem, but also like the, the, the cost of a builder, like sometimes a couple hundred grand. Right. Uh, so, so, so that's, you know, I would be excited Absolutely. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. And, and also, you know, more and more, we're talking about very large production systems, uh, like 3D systems that one cube, uh, what is it? Uh, one cube meter yeah. uh, print vets. Uh, just yeah. imagine how much value of material there is in this print bed, you know, when it's completely yeah. full. It's probably more than a million if you print in titanium. So um, yeah. with, with our approach, you could just have, you could just deposit selectively uh, a nearest shape of your part where you need it. And then the rest, you fill it with a, in an expensive, uh, inexpensive filler material that is very cheap. Um, so you have just less value in this machine. Mm. So you print single material, but you have multi-material deposition. Or you could print a material that, that is easier to remove the supports, right? So you don't have to right, cut exactly. through the titanium. For example, you could have something that can melt away or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. No, which I think would be, you know, any kind of time. Because, like, people, like, everything's automated. But at one point, there's a guy with a, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it's called a flex in Holland. Uh, it's a guy with, a, with a, like, a circular saw. And he's cutting stuff away, you know. It's like, uh, this is the future. Uh, uh, so, so I think that would be that would, that would like save a lot of money and time as well. But so you guys must be really excited because there's this thing going on, the laser wars, I call it. There's this thing going on where, for a long time, we went to one to two laser, and now we're going to nine, eight laser printers. So, so and really much, much larger build point. So you guys must be very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely. Uh, but it, yeah, it's um, we, you know, the vision that that, that we have for for our company, what we do. It's a little bit like you know ScanLab. Um, they they do laser lasers and they sell lasers to the whole industry. Well, mm -hmm. we want to become a little bit the ScanLab of of recoating, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because we think we think our recoating um, is, you know, once it will be, you know, there are still a few things, few things to improve, but once it will uh, run smoothly at high productivity, it's just better than than any recoater that is currently used. Um, so, you know, we hope we can replace a lot of the traditional recoders, um, you know, that are currently used in the industry. I assume you have patents and IP protection around it and all that fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but so, so what I'm, I think, have you tried doing this on really old machines? Because like, I think, I think a lot of people, you know, if you have a production yeah. machine, you've got to, you've got to calculate it in for production use. But at one point you've got one of these DTM, the center station things. Uh, you've got these lying around, basically. And some of them are really awesome, right? The DTM machines are so awesome. And, um, you know, have you thought of doing that? Just, like, making it easy to, to port this thing to an old machine, an old center machine? Uh, well, we, we have um, we have one of the Aconity MIDI systems in-house in, in so that, that we can use to, uh, to print parts and to, uh, and to try different things. We don't, in, in that sense, we don't need to retrofit an old system. Um, what we did in the past for when we were investigating polymers, we retrofitted an old ERS P350 basically. Um, okay. And so it's, it's that system that we used initially to, to um, uh, validate some of the polymers de developments. Yeah, but what I meant is for your customers, like for to sell this to your customers to put it on their old machines. That's what I, was, I meant actually. Right. Yeah, that, that was at some point that was, uh, that was one of our... Um, one of our uh, strategies was to sell retrofitting services, but honestly, it's uh, it's a little bit complex to do. Um, every, every system is different, so um, yeah. that means a lot of redesign of our recoder for every machine, which is a lot of work. 
Um, and then there is also the, the, the software integration complexity. Yeah. So if the machine is closed, you cannot do that efficiently. So it's, it's just not an easy thing to do. And so in the end, uh, we could probably do it, but the service would be super expensive, which makes it uh, not very attractive to customers. Yeah. Yeah, and how many powder bird printers need that upgrade, I guess, is also the question. So, or how many people would yeah. use it? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, like if I'm thinking of people like the materialized people or you know, uh, the fit people with Charlie and stuff like that. These are the types of people that love to experiment, right? You need to give them an excuse. <laughs> and then, you know, it can't be like a, a three quarters of a million euro excuse. <laughs> it does bring up an interesting question on your business model though. Of like, um, are you guys going to focus on just a couple of machines because of the complexity of having to do a couple of brands, so to speak? Or do you see it over time that you're just going to increase which machines that you work on? Well, for the moment, focusing on the relationship with Aconity. Um, I mean, we have now a good machine, so focus on selling this machine to uh, people interested in research. But now in future, we could, um, as we improve the technology and, and the compatibility with other systems and, and also de decrease the dimensions of our recoder, um, all that is the pipeline, then I think it will be a better fit for, for some other systems. But do you imagine selling the recoder, I guess, to those companies or to the end consumer, to the manufacturers or to the end consumer? I mean, uh, it depends. there are different configurations possible, but um, I, I think in a lot of cases, we will be selling through the OEMs uh, to the mm -hmm. end consumer. Because that means like, there's, a, there's, a, like a, there's a huge dependence on, on, on you know, your product you know, in this, in the current state, like, you know, really depends on that uh, and, and, and how you work together with them, how they're perceived and how well they do. Right. And, and I think the value is in your products either that it only works for them or it works on every single printer in the world. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's very <laughs> difficult to, to determine where, where the market lies. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's also early days here. So no, like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But this is like this kind of stuff that interests us. I mean, it's just like the kind of stuff that we're like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so man. I mean, it's, um, I'm, um, every day I'm still questioning also the, the model for the future. Um, so, Selling hardware is, is, is one approach, but uh, it's not sufficient uh, for us mm. being a startup. So we're also selling services, of course. So um, we, we're, we're already doing quite a lot of um, R&D for customers. So we print parts and test things out and uh, mm -hmm. do development projects. So that is something we will be uh, expanding even more in the future. And, and then why not, why not grow into uh, manufacturing uh, once everything is... Uh, running smoothly, um, I think that that might also make sense for us. Uh, or indeed like a licensing model where you kind of, that yeah. would be very risky, but but then you, you would get the cash much quicker. Uh, because there are people that even if the, the recoder doesn't, they even, they would be interested in just uh, obtaining kind of a different kind of recoder just because of patent issues and stuff in some cases. So it wouldn't even have to do anything. <laughs> we just have to do it like whatever the whole the recoder is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. now, but that's, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, yeah. That brings up another interesting point is that um, our industry is, it goes actually beyond uh, additive manufacturing. There are opportunities in other markets. Um, mm -hmm. It's maybe less interesting for this podcast, but um, we, we are investigating opportunities and, and we, are actually, we actually already have revenue in, in markets that are not in additive manufacturing, but uh, just imagine every industry handling powders where they need powder deposition and selectivity in the powder deposition. Well, those are markets we can actually address also with our heat code. Like hard facing and stuff like that. 
Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of uh, industries where they use uh, masks, for example, to uh, apply apply powder on certain surfaces. Well, we could actually do the same, but without the mask, just uh, depositing the, the powder directly where, where we need mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's very exciting. But one thing I can never get my head around, I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense to me, is the fact that you guys are doing ceramics, polymers, mixed polymers, uh, mixed metals, a single metal, all at the same time. And and that sounds completely crazy to me. <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, uh, we really only, you know, on the on the the deposition technology can handle all all of these materials. So there, there is no big big difference on the hardware setup uh, to handle polymers versus metals or ceramics. But uh, commercially, we are really focused on on um, on metals and ceramics at this point. And, and, on, and on ceramics, it's actually a different approach than LPDF. It's uh, what we call uh, dye pressing. So we fill a mold or a dye with uh, ceramic or, or even metals, actually. We, and we stack the powder layers on top of each other in this mold, and then we compact it, and then we, we, we sinter it in a furnace. Um, it's, it's a little bit like binder jetting, but without the use of binders. So basically you could be, yeah, you could be like what a lot of people are doing. You could make up a completely new gradient type material as well as a, as a multi-material gradient part. You could make up like, you could actually mix materials and then also mix the gradient, right? At the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I don't even know if that has a name, by the way, <laughs> would that just be gradient <laughs> or would that, uh, but, but okay. So that, that's, that's kind of crazy, I guess. Uh, I think, have you found out that that can lead to a lot of optimized parts as well? Or is that, that also what you're thinking about with these heat sinks and things like that? Uh, it's, it's probably different, different parts. Um, it's, it, there is, there are quite some limitations with this approach. It's, uh, rather simple geometries and fairly small parts. And also there, uh, um, currently at least the, the, the resolution of your, or the surface quality of your part is defined by the resolution of the deposition, uh, where in the LPBF approach, it's really the laser defining, you know, the, the surface quality of your parts. So that's a, lim a big limitation because right now uh, our pixels um, have a diameter of roughly 500 microns, which, which defines uh, the, the resolution. So um, in the dye and pressing approach, some ideas there are uh, cutting tools, for example, where you need um, a hard metal on the outside of, of the cutting tool or a ceramic material, for example. And then a, a mm -hmm. another kind of metal in other areas of the cutting tool. So that's that's one possible application for for this approach. And then also you could then also mix in another material for like I don't know to make it more conductive or cheaper on the inside or something like that. So you can actually have you could vary that as well. Yes, yeah. I think yeah. yeah, it's it's very exciting. But again, I I don't know how you're going to explain it to people because it's like you have too many options, you know. It's like there's too much. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you can do everything. We can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and what is the reason why people talk to you? Is it because it's like, uh, is it, is it because of the technology side, or is it pushed by the application, or is it pushed by by? Because uh, you're saying you've got mature AM customers, so these are people that know what they're talking about, they know what they're doing, and and how do they find you, or why do they find you? I find <laughs> I find a lot of people myself, so I reach okay. out to a lot of people. good good yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's but, what uh, we gotta do when we start yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but also, I, th I mean, a lot of people also reach out to us. I think we have, I don't know if we have a good online presence, but I mean, we wrote quite a lot of articles and, and also 
we, we, you know, you wrote a lot of articles about us, uh, Yoris, so that yeah. helped. Yeah. So, We're cheerleading for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and our, our position in the industry is quite unique. Uh, there are not many companies capable of doing uh, B-metallic printing. So I think it, it makes a lot of people curious. So that helps to, uh, to get uh, to talk to them. Uh, they want to at least understand what we do and, and eventually how we can help them. And then once we have a first discussion, uh, that leads maybe to other conversations and then to the project. And it was also like at one point, I remember, like you, you mentioned the articles. I mean, you, you, you could at one point do circuits as well, or that's something that was interesting for you guys as well at one point, those kinds of things. Are you still working on those kinds of applications? Uh, not, not really, because the, um, the resolution we, we, we reach uh, currently is, is probably not sufficient for, uh, for circuits. Okay, okay. Because that would like uh, there was a time when everybody was all about the circuits, and I, mean, I don't know if yeah, if, if we're still... a circuit printer. Oh. Yeah, exactly. We make the whole <laughs> printer. We make the whole laptop. One day, one day, Joris, when we can yeah. individual atoms can be placed in the right place, you know. Uh, <laughs> just in case I want to like do my my Apple a system on a chip in my own configuration, you know, uh -huh. just for me. <laughs> Look, I use Call of Duty a lot. Can you move that around a little bit? <laughs> because <laughs> it, it'll be better <laughs> i want my own heat sink yeah i know yeah so it's one of these things where everybody's talking about it and then we never really ask ourselves why does this make sense <laughs> but um uh okay so and uh and and you guys are i mean this seems like like you you guys as a startup need like a, a rather long runway i mean you're gonna need to grow you're, you are you know being very upfront about that this is a this is gonna take a lot more work but eventually, you know, eventually you're going to be able to do this for a lot of sintering machines or a lot of <clears throat> powder bed fusion machines, but also maybe even binder jet and also like uh, whatever new powder based technology comes out, right? You know, so 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 are you looking for new funding? Is that like something that you need to do? Because it seems like you need to to kind of like you know take a couple more years to to really really develop the product. Yeah, that's partially true. I think um, the, the industrialization is going to take uh, another uh, one to three years. Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't uh, generate revenue. So um, we already have some revenue uh, on the R&D projects and, and services business. We are selling R&D equipment uh, with Aconity. Um, mm. So that, that also brings in some cash. Um, so I, I think we're not too far away for um, a bigger funding round where we uh, really accelerate um, the developments and, and the growth, but it's not, it's something we start to think about, but it's not something we have to do next month. Yeah. It's nice to have the breathing room as well to kind of consider that a bit quietly rather than like uh, kind of be panicky about that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, uh, but, but also like you have a service component and a lot of like companies that are trying to industrialize the technology rely really heavily on that. But, but is that a big source of revenue for you guys or do you want to expand that kind of service type stuff as well or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but customers understand that it's um, it's R and D. So if just finding or identifying right processing parameters to fuse together two different metals um, that's a big that's a big job in itself. Um, I think customers understand that. You know, we we don't have as much experience on multi-material printing as we have on, on single material printing. We have we have 30 years to catch up with. Right. <laughs> so it's gonna take a, a little bit of time, but uh, customers understand that. And, and usually because they see the opportunities for their applications, they're willing to you know, spend, spend a little bit of time on that with us. And then, uh, and then also, that's why also we are selling this equipment to R&D centers uh, uh, th that will just uh, 
increase the number of people playing with our technology and developing process parameters, validating different materials, uh, um, look at the interface between the materials, find uh, scanning strategies, uh, you know, all these uh, funny things that they like to do. <laughs> but then, of course, you're going to be making, for them, you're going to be making a very much like a, a box you could do anything with kind of machine, right? It's going to be like, I want more settings, right? Yeah. Okay. No, that's why I was going to say uh, Aconite was a good fit for us because um, th that's that's really uh, one of their primary markets is, is the R&D world. So they have very mm. open machines. Uh, right. With a lot of different configurations, you can you can pick different lasers. You can you have two two you can add two lasers to your machines uh, to four I think with the MIDI. You can order heated beds, so you can order a lot of different options. Uh, that 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 makes this machine very versatile and, and interesting for research. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine that it's a, it's a very good thing. But I mean, I think, I think it would be interesting to find like more uh, you know more service customers and service kind of things because I think you know the conformal cooling thing has been. Yeah, you know, there is real value there, and there is a real value that you can you, you do the math, right? It's it's not like some conceptual value, like you're going to be innovative. It's literally like this is going to save you so much time, this is going to save you so much money. Uh, mm -hmm. So those kinds of things, I think, would be really you know very easy, like relatively easy to express the value to the customer if you can make it happen for them. Let's say, but uh, but where do you, where do you hope to be with the company? Let's say in let's say a time period of like five years or something like that. Well, uh, in, in five years, I hope we can uh, realize this vision of, of being the scan lab of the recoding technology um, and, and have our recoders used uh, in, in all kind of machines, uh, SLS, LPDF, binder jetting. Um, you know, that, that would be the that that would be really be the goal, and that we can continue to innovate around and on the recoder. Um, there, there are a lot of things we can we can still do with the recoding technology. Um, that's I think what what the, the, team uh, likes to do um, and what we will continue to do uh, in the future. And have you thought of mixing metals and ceramics and that kind of things or metals and polymers or ceramics and polymers and those kind of exotic mixes? Because I think, I think to a certain extent that could be possible or not. Yeah, yeah. With the with the die pressing approach, we've actually we've actually uh, printed some uh, discs of um, of laminates of ceramic and metal. Um, I think mm -hmm. it was nickel and zirconia. Um, and that was for a customer in, in the IO space. Um, yeah. and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an ongoing project. Uh, yeah. we are very excited about the results. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, that's definitely something we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking of like these applications, like these tiles or these space shuttle tiles, let's say those kind of things yeah. and those kinds of like high end things like that. That's a, that could be an insane combination. If you had something that with, the, with the, these kinds of materials, you could mix them in some way. Uh, and also then also do gradient and then also yeah, i don't know it's kind of insane like, I keep, every time i talk to you it's like it's like what can they not do with this it's like it's <laughs> it's kind of amazing uh, and that, can be, that can be a problem too when you're trying to sell things and yeah, you know, like, yeah. it does everything and then people yeah. are like well if it does everything i don't know what to do with it so yeah. <laughs> it's amazing oh, yeah, i've run into that yeah. problem yeah that's 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 typically the problem if, 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 you, if you go into a company and you're just they're just they want to do additive for additive sake then you're stuck because it's like what can you do everything and then it's like oh yeah but can you do this thing no can you do this thing well yeah but sometimes it's more expensive <laughs> you know and then then it's like oh you can't do anything can you and then yeah <laughs> then you can end up dying um but anyway okay. and then and and do you think i mean you guys are in 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 belgium you're in leuven or no you're in where are you guys located again because you're in you were you we are in around. uh we are in liege so. oh, in liege. Yeah, yeah, yeah 
about what 50, 50 kilometers from Leuven. Because it's it's an interesting place. Because like uh, I'm from Holland, I know that, and I've also worked for Materialized, just like you did. So, um, so I know that there's also like a, a startup, just like in the Netherlands, there's also like a startup scene in Belgium. Is is that a, a great advantage to you to of being in Belgium? I, I think it is um, because uh, there is quite a lot of uh, AM talent uh, in Belgium. So just because of uh, I think thanks to uh, 3D systems and, and materialize that are you know very very big here in Belgium, uh, but then there is also in, in the Liège area um, you have um, you have series research centers you have uh, companies like AnyShape, uh, Serum, um, so there is there is a good ecosystem and then I mean Germany is is, is very nearby. Akonity in Aachen is only one hour driving from uh, from us. You have uh, Fraunhofer IoT, so there are, there are many companies and organizations nearby that with good people, trained people. Uh, so it's, it's never really a big issue for us to find talent. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a big problem with someone else. I also found that like, and what I noticed from the others also in Belgium that you kind of like, you learn a lot faster than a lot of other companies or countries. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> yeah. No, or, I, don't, I, mean, I think you learn faster than, than, than if you're in a different country. Okay, cool. How do you, how do you explain that? I, well, I don't know. There's, there's, you meet more people that know more, and then they kind of like, okay. for example, like like I was um, I was doing technical. I need to kind of like anonymize this a little bit, but I was doing technical due diligence on a project, right? And these guys were doing a solution for something, uh, and and they had, and I was using just using normal terminology and, and just normal settings and normal information, and they just didn't know it. So they were trying to work on a startup that did some really advanced like FDM stuff, but some of the basic stuff that. I, I, that was like really commonplace in Holland, how to optimize the FDM printer, which is not, they didn't know because they were in yeah. the middle of nowhere. And that was the middle of nowhere was, was England. <laughs> you know, mm. So it's, it's very weird. I think that we were in just such small countries that you do kind of have, you bump into people more, you know? Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, um, we have to turn internationally immediately because Belgium is just so small. So uh, we immediately to Germany, look, you know, France, which is uh, next door, and the Netherlands. We quickly indeed uh, met, uh, meet a lot of people and uh, with different horizons and, and backgrounds. Uh, mm. I think uh, one thing I wanted to ask, I keep forgetting, is like, okay, you do this, you did this project together with someone on in situ laser ablation or something like that? Yeah. Okay, so how does that work? Because that's so, like, mm. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so everybody um, indeed uh, asks us um, how we can handle all those different projects that sound like, you know, there are very different topics and that we're, you know, spreading ourselves very thin, uh, working on all of all those different things. But I, I always tell them we, we just do one thing, we, we do part of the position, but it's just... Uh, it's always the same technology that we developed, but it's just used in a different context. And, uh, and in these projects with Lazea, they, they do laser ablation. That's, uh, they, they make machines uh, that do laser ablation. And, um, and they said, oh, we, we, we would like to combine what we do, our expertise, so laser ablation with, uh, with uh, LPBF. So we would need, uh, for, for different reasons, we need a part of the decision for that. So... We said, okay, let's do a project together. We will integrate our part of the position technology in one of your machines, and then you you handle the ablation and the and the laser melting uh, with with your laser because that's the expertise that you have. But really, the only thing that we do is part of the position, which is which is our expertise. 
and so how that works well it's it's very simple so i mean it's very very complex technically but it's very simple to explain <laughs> so you have one laser doing the um, uh, laser the melting of the layer and then you have another laser doing the ablation to do, uh, improve the surface uh, quality or decrease the roughness of the surface i should say so you can and because you do this layer after layer you can basically do this ablation um, in, in, in all the uh, corners of the part, which is very difficult to do if you have to do it at the end of the process. Yeah, especially if you're doing conformal cooling channels and molds <laughs> and stuff, right? So that's also the application there or not, or is it yeah. different? There, well, Lazia, their market is, is mainly focused on uh, luxury. So uh, oh. they, they have a lot of customers in the watch watch industry. Oh, okay. um, so, but, uh, but the watch industry, they are, they, they are not satisfied with the um, uh, surface roughness of LPBF parts. So, um, well, everyone in the rough uh, the watch industry, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so most of them, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and so, so in the ablation process is gonna, but how, how, how uh, can you say anything about the RA or the, the roughness or the target roughness that they want to achieve with this or? I'm not actually sure. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's fine, somewhere, fine. but it's uh, it's slightly too technical for me. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Okay, so the idea is that you get a much smoother surface finish in the same machine, let's say. Yeah. Just like the hybrid machines that you see in C or, you know, the, yeah, the exactly. Matsura Advance and then those kind of things. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. Okay. No. Great. Um, well, anyway, I'd like to thank you so much, Edward, for, for coming on the 3D pod and uh, telling us more about Aerosynth. Uh, thank you so much for being here and uh, explaining, and I wish you a lot of luck with your, your startup. And thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And uh, yeah, thank you, Max, for, for, for coming along uh, on this ride once again. I hope you enjoyed oh, no. it. This is, yeah, it was fascinating today. I did uh, powder bed multi-materials. That's a very cool concept, and it's, it's time has come. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> All right. And, and thank you guys for listening as well. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, and I was here uh, with Maxwell Vogue once again, and uh, and uh, with uh, Edward Munzdahasa of Aerosynth. And uh, we, I, I really hope that you uh, enjoyed the show today, and uh, keep your suggestions and ideas coming. Your support is much appreciated. Thank you very much. Bye bye. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard, or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.